0: Next Sunday, which we're anticipating today, is Palm Sunday. The beginning of that great Holy Week that leads Christian people to the place where Jesus died and rose again. And if you don't go to church at all during the year, go to church during Holy Week and you begin to understand the significance of what Jesus was, who he was, and why he died. If you arrive on Easter day dressed up, expect to understand what's happening in Holy Week, forget it, don't even bother to go. Unless you're there on Good Friday, Maundy Thursday, and then Easter day, it's pointless. Because the victory of the cross is on Good Friday. That's where the Easter message begins. And it's in that death and the will of Christ offered to his father, holy, that he overcomes the conflict between good and evil. The icing on the cake is Easter day. That's when we're let in to see what's happened. The stone is rolled away, not for Jesus, but for us to go in so that we can see the witness to the great event. And so today, we stand looking at the temple in Jerusalem with those who were following Jesus Christ. And as they approached Jerusalem, came to Bethphage, what does Jesus do? He says, go to the village ahead and you'll find a donkey and an ass tied there. Ask them if we can have them. They're part of what we're trying to do. And then that fantastic entry into the Temple of Jerusalem, which Jesus makes surrounded by children and people casting palm branches, which is what the things you've got in your hand are meant to be, a reminder of that. But it doesn't go as everybody thinks it should go. The most discouraged people are the zealots, the zealots, those who believe that Israel is to be completely reclaimed by a Messiah who will come on a white charger with a sword in his hand, get rid of the Romans, restore the Jews to where they should be and it'll all be a great triumphant, alleluia, we're all right. But what does Jesus do? Jesus selects to go into the temple of Jerusalem on a donkey, an ass a beast of burden, not a beast to carry the great general riding in, in front of an army, a beast of burden and he gets on it himself and as he goes in what do the people do? They use the great processional hymn that's used in the temple of Jerusalem Psalm 118 which they know the Jews backwards and Jesus knows too. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessings to the highest heaven. A triumphant entry of a king on a donkey but a king with a different message. The message of love. The message of self-sacrifice. The message of giving. Not holding back. The message of not prejudice, but acceptance. They're not ready for that. That's not the Messiah that they're looking for. The vicar and the PCC are not in the least bit happy with that. They wanted the triumphant charger. They didn't want some gook on a donkey. That's not who they come to follow. They come to follow follow rules and regulations and playing it by the law and getting it right and fasting at the right time, being nice to the nice people and nasty to the nasty. They don't want to know about this Jesus of Nazareth. No wonder he causes an upset. This is the prophet with the prophecy enacted in his life. Up till now, prophecy has been spoken and Jesus contributed to that prophecy himself. And you know why a prophet was feared, don't you? Why Jeremiah and Isaiah, both of them quoted here in the scripture, say to daughter of Zion, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on the foal of a donkey from Isaiah and Jeremiah. You know what happened when they did that? As they spoke their words, people cowered, petrified because the words started the change. Woe to you, O Israel, says Jeremiah. You've been a bad lot. Things are going to change. And they went, "Uh, we don't want to hear that prophecy. But he said, you've got to. But this is a different prophecy. This is a living prophecy. This is the Messiah's prophecy. Because on this donkey is the prophetic utterance itself. The Son of God. And as he mounts this donkey, they knew, Pharisees and scribes and high priests and Romans, that this Jew from the north who's been healing and loving and teaching and listening was about to bring in his flesh the change that would change the Jewish nation and the world. A true prophet has to face the consequences of his prophecy. That'll teach you to open your mouth and say something about something else. When you do it, you've got to justify it because you're gonna live with the results of what you say. How could we ever learn that? Why don't we get it right when we open our mouths and put our foot in it? Why don't we think what we're doing? Because we're actually creating that which we're speaking about. Stop and think as Jesus did. Jesus brings change by his person as well as his words. And then when he gets to the temple on this donkey, which upsets everybody, even the followers, what happens? He goes to the outer courtyard. He goes to the outer courtyard. He doesn't go any further. And the outer courtyard is the courtyard of the Gentiles, us. Not the Jews, the Gentiles. And that's where he says the biggest change will happen. Because if the rest of the world can't go any further in this temple, but this courtyard, this is where the Son of God's gonna stop. He stops there to open up the entry to everybody, Jew and Gentile, the diaspora, whoever they are, the Gentile courtyard and it's there that he purifies the temple. He doesn't take water and all the religious paraphernalia that most people would like to see in blessings and purifications. He throws the tables over and casts out those who buy and those who sell, everybody's for it. He says, this is meant to be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of robbers. And what he doesn't, he doesn't mean you're charging too much. He doesn't mean, what he means is, your heart needs purifying. Your attitude needs purifying. People can approach this God themselves. They don't need their turtle doves and their candles. They're useful. They can support who they are, but they don't replace the center of belief. And so Jesus causes havoc. He comes down from Bethany on a donkey with palms and children shouting Hosanna. He gets off, he goes into the courtyard of the Gentiles, overthrows the money-making, purifies it by his presence, and what does he do? He starts the process Of his own death. He begins that process because now the vicar and the church wardens and the bishop and the archdeacon, definitely the archdeacon, they're all thinking we've got to get rid of this bloke because he's upsetting the religious establishment. We don't want that at all. So the Church of England can't have that happening of course. But what happens? Jesus goes on and he takes them on And they concoct a trial, which is phony, with phony accusations. They don't refer to his healing or his love or who he is. They just want him out of the way. And then happens the worst thing of all, the coalition between the church and the state. And that is what crucifies Jesus. So we Christian people are today looking at a Messiah riding on a donkey, entering the city of Jerusalem, fulfilling all the prophecies but the prophet himself, asking for one thing, that we might learn to love our God. And in so doing, shows us that the cost of that is self-sacrifice. So the palm you've got reminds you of the entry. Keep it, make a resolution that this Holy Week, you'll follow Christ on a daily basis in that pattern through to his death. And when you've been with him at the foot of the cross, you can look up and get up because then you've learnt where the real joy was on the cross on Good Friday. Easter day is like the butterfly flown It's all the icing on the cake. Now's where the real job is done. So get yourself sorted out for Holy Week. See if you can get with Christ on his donkey and into the courtyard of the temple. And may God bless you in that process. Amen.